Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. This is round two of experimenting with doing the podcast from home. We've added (laughs) a third home with Andrew checking in as well. I'm back. Yeah, we're not really at Andrew's house. (laughs) We are in three distinctly different parts of Ottawa, just to make it even more worldwide spread. (laughs) We're everywhere, basically. We're in Glebe. We're in Vanier. Andrew, what neighborhood are you? Bell's Corners. Bell's Corners. Everyone go look it up on a map. (laughs) I was going to say... I've never known where he lived, actually. He just I know he takes buses he and he arrives yeah. places. <laughs> I live in a cave in the woods. Like the Croods. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most safe during these COVID times. I'm here for it. It's been a crazy day so far, and we haven't even started yet, so geez. Yeah, so today, just to let everyone know, is Monday, January 18th. We have no updates as to when Ottawa will be magically cured and will be a few tiptoeing steps back to normalcy. But yeah, Eric, you got shoved into going to an actual office today. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to be working from home. So on days where I'm working from home, I wake up a little bit later because I just have to roll out of bed and go downstairs and turn on the computer. So then I woke up to a text from my manager that was like, a couple of people are sick. Can you go to the office today? And this was like 15 minutes before I would have started, basically. So I was like, oh, God. And so, yeah, and we had somebody coming over anyways. Like I, I arranged an electrician to come because I was going to be here, but then I wasn't. So I was like, oh, God, I don't want to let the team down or whatever. And so I had to maneuver it. So I went in the afternoon. But then, and then the podcast, like it was like so many moving parts. I was like, I can't, I'm letting Andrew down now. I'm letting Josh down, you know? Like, <laughs> did you say that out loud? No, at that part, I didn't mention that. I don't want to let the team <laughs> I didn't down. let down the podcast part. I was like, oh yeah, I don't want to let down the on-site team. The only team you know about. It's like, I won't be mentioning the podcast portion just yet. You could be letting down three separate teams of your electrician, your podcasters, and your... Oh, and Andrew's brother too, I guess <laughs> yeah. too. I guess I'm letting him down, like everybody. So it was a pretty like crazy day. I, it feels productive, but it also feels insane. And I still have my like bad movie night right after this. So it's like, I'm having to get everyone to make concessions to try to do this. And what are you watching? I'm not, uh, it's not my pick this week. So, uh, so I'm not hundred percent sure, but I believe Wing Commander is one of them. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> which Starring was the first. Freddie Prince Jr. And Lillard, Matthew Lillard. And, and that was the movie that had the first Phantom Menace trailer attached that's how i remember it so i remember being so disappointed with wing commander because the video game had mark hamill in it oh yeah and so i thought he would be in the movie but he might have a cameo like a little voice cameo or something but yeah he's not in the movie and then you said the guyver and you were like oh this does have mark hamill but it's not very good so <laughs> oh i remember the guyver it's like maybe that's the second movie tonight i don't even know actually you know what i think we did do that one week the guyver's from like the heyday of straight to vhs movies and there's an uncut version and a not uncut version and i don't really know the difference but i think there was a pg-13 i think they were like oh this is a superhero movie for kids but now there's some gore or whatever i don't even know mark hamill gores someone i don't know i don't know what year that was 1990s like 92 i think i remember i rented that or my parents rented it and i watched it i just remember he looked good in a beard yeah, you were like, I want a MacGyver, not the Giver. <laughs> like, this, this isn't a, the Giver. Yeah, I wanted a bologna sandwich, not an abalone sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't win. There's a second MacGyver. Now I'm calling it MacGyver. There's a second the Giver as well. There is, yeah. Which is probably like even worse. Because the Giver was such a smash hit. Yeah, well, it must have done okay. Like kind of like Darkman, but that was theatrical, right? Yeah, the first one was, and they okay. did like two video sequels or something i think they shot them at the same time actually yeah without liam neeson because he was too big i was upset with those because i thought that would be a perfect reason to have 
Bruce Campbell in them because at the end of yeah. Darkman, spoiler alert, he puts on the face of Bruce Campbell. And I'm like, well, there you go. Now you got Bruce can do the sequels, but they did not get Bruce to do the- <laughs> No, they didn't get him. They didn't get Neeson. You know, they got Larry Drake. Oh, yeah. I was going to, I knew it was someone. I thought it was like Dr. Giggles. <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to say it was the guy who played the mummy, but I was like, no, Arnold Bosloo was not in this. It was Dr. Giggles. He had a good geek run because he was in Darkman and Dr. Giggles and. I think he did another genre movie around that time. Yeah, something like The Stuff, but not The Stuff. I wish it was The Stuff. Everything should be The Stuff, but it wasn't that this time. Oh, Eric, what was that Scarecrow movie? That TV movie? Scarecrows? Or no, 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 uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which I thought I was introduced to it through Eric. And for a TV film, it's the era when TV films were, we were getting like Killdozer and Duel and real like genre stuff. But Dark Knight of the Scarecrow had Larry Drake in it, playing a character similar to what I think he would kind of gain fame for on L.A. Law soon after. But I really like that movie. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that was unexpected because he's kind of a sympathetic. Well, he's the villain, sort of, but not. He's also the hero. So I don't know. Like, I guess the villain is probably the jerk rapists who are like awful and trying to kill everyone. It's just so weird that a movie like that was just like, the Thursday night movie on ABC or whatever. And it was yeah. this full-blown horror film. When it had, it covered a lot of like weird ground too. Like I think there was like a dabbled on like an incest portion and there was like a kid, like I don't think a kid got murdered, but almost and stuff like that, you know, and, and like mentally challenged main guy. And like, it was actually like pretty like heady stuff for what it was. And you got to think like that wasn't on HBO or whatever. That was one of the three networks on the States in the late 70s, early 80s, just the regular channel. Mm -hmm. And that type of movie is really extinct because there's really, I mean, COVID times has really put another nail in the coffin of trying to figure out what is and what is not a film, the, the Spielberg argument. Because now, now I'm just like, a movie's a movie. It doesn't matter where it first appears. And this is me as a cinema owner saying this. It's just like, it's kind of like music. Like whether you hear music first on a record or a CD or digitally or at a concert, it's all music. And now movies are kind of like that. Whereas before there was a definitive line in the sand of this is a TV movie versus this is a theatrical movie. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, Especially the acclaim that so much of that, because a lot of that was like lost stuff like a lot of those you know now there's like books about it and like people are trying to find and most of that stuff doesn't even exist anymore it's just like somebody taped it over a tape and then it just got lost forever in the in the 90s somewhere you know and wasn't like it's kind of cool duel was released theatrically elsewhere i think right like overseas i think and then i think after et when spielberg was huge i think they gave it a theatrical re-release yeah i even remember the ewok TV films, which because I'm exactly the right age, I think the Ewoks are awesome. I remember those TV films and it was a time where it was really an event. And I remember my mom, we didn't have cable or whatever cable channel you needed to watch that movie. And we went to a friend of hers on whatever Friday or Saturday night. And it was a big night, you know, it was like, oh, get pizza, go to a friend's house. And so that was just a TV film in North America. But same thing, I think overseas, they actually released those on the big screen. And I've always thought like, oh my God, I'd love to stumble on a 35 millimeter print of those to screen those. It'll never happen. But but yeah, there's always been weird stuff with theatrical versus small screen for that kind of thing. And now it's just kind of the blur is just 100%. And we'll never go back. We're not going back to anything where... Especially a friend of mine said, I thought it was very wise where he said, it's kind of like the theatrical distributors and some filmmakers 
haven't realized that not to say they've lost the battle, but that battle is done. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as pure theatrical or pure TV film like that blur is gone now. Yeah. So it's funny to think of now that the stuff is, it's almost like prestige stuff now when you have like a made for TV movie now is HBO. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's like, there's so many of these things that they have legit, like great cast, great budget. The writer directors are often very good. And so it's strange. People want to be like a direct to TV movie now because it used to be a bad word. But they don't call it that anymore. Like what is The Queen's Gambit? Is that a mini series? Is that a limited series is what they call it now? Mm -hmm. I almost think that that is what the TV movie used to be. And now they're just saying, well, here's your budget. And if you can do it and you want to do it as a four hour thing or a five hour thing and we'll split it up or you can do it as a two hour thing or a two and a half hour thing. Yeah, because like Queen's Gambit was fantastic. And once upon a time, maybe that would have just been much less content, but just a two hour film. It's very strange now. And we're getting films that are so long because for better or for worse, Netflix says to Martin Scorsese, yeah, The Irishman can be three hours long. That's fine. Where a couple decades ago, even if it was Martin Scorsese, they would have said to him, no, we really want it to be around two hours because we want to fit so many screenings per day on a screen. Mm -hmm. And now everything's long. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny you say that because that's exactly what's happening with Justice League now. They're just saying like the Snyder Cut is four hours long. And they'd originally talked about maybe a miniseries and, and kind of going back and forth. But now it's like, well, it's coming out in March. So, I mean, maybe a theater will be open by then. But again, like, it's like, are you playing a four hour version of a movie that people hated? You know, like, I mean, <laughs> but hey, maybe he fixes every problem and it is a smash classic. Who knows? What was wrong with the, like, I don't follow this stuff. What was wrong with the first Justice League? The script. The non-Zack Snyder cut. Yeah, basically the script would be the easiest thing to say. Like, I mean, the acting's whatever, but it's just like the story wasn't great. The villain wasn't great. And essentially just, you know, it wasn't the movie that Snyder started to make. Not to say that that movie would have been good. I guess we're going to find out. But it's weird because it's like, what are you trying to make here? You know, like, are you making the Citizen Kane of team up movies? How good was it going to be? The big thing, too, is it's not a cut because he's going back and filming a whole bunch of stuff. And mm -hmm. this four hours wouldn't have been what would have been a film. So what I will never forget about Justice League is I went to see it. We had like a preview pass to go see it. And I was on a good run with Warner Brothers for a while that that I always hope will come back when we return. But where I got to see a bunch of stuff like Suicide Squad and Shazam and some stuff mm -hmm. I would have paid for, some stuff I wouldn't really have. <laughs> on the free because I got these passes. So when is he Justice League? And there was three or four guys there and good on them. They had such a good time at that film. They were wearing DC hats and shirts. And so it was one of two things. Either it was just a group of guys who really had a good time and liked the film that went on to be kind of torn apart by most people. Or they were plants. Like, I almost yeah. thought that they were plants. Like, because they were cheering and screaming and standing ovation at the end. And I was like, well, stranger things have happened. I'm sure there's some bad movie that I love that a bunch of other people would be like, really? But The Wizard? Yeah. Oh, The Wizard's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm saying it's a bad movie. I no, mean, we, no. the three of us know it's great. But But yeah, so it's an interesting time where even if we were open, if COVID never happened, if we were in some amazing alternate universe, the years leading up to this, we were screening a number of films that had the Amazon stamp on it or the Hulu stamp on it or a little more close to nowadays, the Netflix stamp on it. So this is not a brand new thing. I even remember from a more 
kind of independent point of view, for years, you would see a film with CBC or BBC on it. And that business model was essentially they'd put a movie out on the big screen, get a little bit of publicity, maybe win an award, and then it would go into rotation on their TV channel for eternity. So it's funny that people are making a big deal about it, where it's really nothing new for TV and the big screen to have a distribution symbiosis. Just now it's really front and center since all this HBO and Netflix stuff. But Mm -hmm. I continue to not think it's the end of the world for an independent cinema where we can embrace it and just get to show these real high-end A-plus movies. Even right before we went into lockdown, we showed Mank. That's a movie that opens with the Netflix logo on it. So yeah, it's definitely not the end days. It's a shame that some stuff's falling through the cracks. Like Palm Springs was a really good one. That was like a Hulu movie that we would have for sure shown, but you know, bad timing. I watched two recently that were excellent. Uh, One was called Synchronic, which we talked about a while back, but it was basically the guys, the two guys who made The Endless and Resolution. Oh. Yeah, Andrew and I are fans of it. And uh, Spring, it was another movie. So like they haven't made a bad film in my opinion. And this was like a great companion piece to like Possessor, like a little, little bit of, maybe a little bit of tenet, but not not the confusing part, I guess. I don't know. But like, I don't want to like spoil anything about it, but it was it was one of the best movies that I saw from this past year. And it's, it would have been a great Mayfair movie. I mean, it still could be, but it's just, you know, we're, it's, it sucks seeing some of this stuff go by the wayside when we're like, ah, oh, COVID, what are you doing? In the last little while, when we were in normal Mayfair times, I would say that I don't watch many movies at home because there is so much good television and I watch so many movies at the Mayfair that at home I would watch the Queen's Gambit type stuff and that would fill up my home time. But now that we can't go to the Mayfair, it's true. All these movies that are produced by what is technically TV channels, streaming channels, like we would have totally screened The Five Bloods, Trial of the Chicago 7, One Night in Miami, What is it? We watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with the role that everyone's saying is going to win Chadwick Boseman. I don't know if he'll be actor or supporting actor, but he's likely going to win an Oscar. Yeah, anything. Like, we'll just give it to him, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. But all this stuff is stuff that we would have screened. People might remember that we screened a number of movies as such before and did really well with them. I remember screening Uncut Gems while Uncut Gems was on Netflix and we were packed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that did well. Near 300 people packed kind of thing. So that will continue, especially with news of all the HBO stuff and Netflix saying they're going to have one movie a week for the rest of our lives. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially the HBO stuff. Like just I really kept thinking maybe they'd balk at that. But I mean, they're definitely going forward with the day and date stuff for especially like Kong Godzilla. I'm just like, oh, God, please let us show that. Like we need this. Oh, God. Yeah. Andrew, do you know where they sit with does Quentin have plans to split up Hollywood into a four miniseries or five part miniseries or something? I I have no idea. All I know is that the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel is coming out in June. Oh, wow. And I think he can even pre-order it now. And it's like 400 pages. And so that's that's like the end of June, I think. So I'm looking forward to that. Where does Quentin stand now? Is he still pretending that he's only going to direct one more movie or something like that? I guess so. But I mean, with COVID, I guess he's, you know. Every time I hear someone like that who says, I'm retiring, and then they don't, I'm always kind of like, yeah, Quentin, you say you're retiring, and maybe you'll even go like away. Like Sinatra? <laughs> For 50 <Yeah>. Cent? <laughs> 50 Cent said he was retiring in 2003. It's like, hey, come on, you, you let us down. Quentin might say he's going to retire, but then he'll write a book or two or write a comic and then something will click in his brain and he'll be like, Oh, I got another one. Yeah. I just can't believe he's been so busy for the last 
what, like since 1990-ish or so. I just can't imagine him sitting on the couch. I mean, well, he took a long break in between, I think, Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. Right. That was a long uh, dry spell there. But he did say in an interview that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the last movie he's doing for quite some time. Though he was even talking about sort of entertaining the idea of doing Bounty Laws as like a Netflix series. Oh, I want that. Well, because that could be a way around it. He's like, oh, I said movie. I'll do a TV show. Yeah. And like Netflix, I think would, you know, they'd give him the freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. But I mean, I don't know if he'd get like the Sony budget, like if he was doing a miniseries. Yeah. And I mean, what, like it'd be an old timey Western. So the budget wouldn't be like, you know, there's no spaceships and special effects really in it. So it could kind of be a slightly smaller budget probably, but yeah. And apparently he wrote three episodes, so he he has the content written. Even if he didn't want to direct it and he just said, hey, Rodriguez, do you want to do this? I'm sure they could figure something out. Yeah, yeah. He could like Mandalorian, get different people to direct it. And he's like the showrunner, basically. I'd love to see that. I think that'd be so cool. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Well, you could do so many back-to-back as well. Like, they're 20-minute episodes, right? And I think his Star Trek plans are, if not dead, shelved for the time being, at least. Because I know there was a couple different Star Trek movies on the go. But I I think the franchise is being kept occupied on various TV shows right now that are doing really well. So I think that's on the back burner. Yeah, that's crazy how many shows, how many Star Trek. There's, I think, three or four more spinoffs this year. That's a prime example of nerds supporting something and the powers that be going, keep giving them more. Because in the States, that CBS All Access channel is doing very well. And evidently, like, you know, they did a poll or they they asked their subscribers and it's mostly Trekkies. And so they're like, yep, so we're going to do more Discovery and more Picard and another animated show. And and they're shorter, too, which is interesting because, like, you know, a season of Next Generation was something like 26 episodes, whereas picard or discovery i think are like 10 or 12 so they can do more with different stuff you know and still be less content than a season as a season was in the good old days yeah my wife's a big fan of discovery so i don't have anything against it but i'm just like i can't get into another show right now it's like you do that and i'll I'll watch tales from the crypt or something every show is so it's not their fault but because i was so in love with mandalorian every show is not as good as mandalorian (laughs) and so sometimes there'd be days where we would watch Mandalorian in the morning and Discovery at night. And Discovery's fine, but I'd just be like, well, that wasn't Mandalorian. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, man. You can't compete with that. I mean, geez. Like, even, even oh, oh, my God. I, I don't know. Every time, see, I kind of thought that for season two, I was like, oh, how are they going to top this? But then they did. And now I'm like, oh, season three. Well, they're screwed now. Like, no way they can like, top season two, but I'm sure they'll pull it off. Yeah, I have such confidence in Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, and I think they're quite happy on the TV side of things, but I just keep thinking that they're going to say, hey, do you two gentlemen want to do a film? But, you know, their next two films are still far away. Like, I think they said that Patty Jenkins' movie is Christmas 2023, and so I don't know if that means Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie is after that, so that's kind of a bit of a long con. Yeah, it's gotten confusing now that they sort of but they pre-retconned some of the stuff they announced you know like the game of thrones trilogy isn't happening i don't think like yeah that's gone so and and the ryan johnson trilogy is that happening i don't even know like it's kind of weird i guess because that was never officially announced it's just still kind of there i don't know Mm -hmm. i'd be happy with that but i'm also content with them concentrating on doing more favreau filoni universe stuff for the next few years and i think they've got 
they've got two spinoff series or three confirmed with that now. But again, people say, oh, it's it's too much. But I'm like, yeah, but it's 10 half hour episodes or eight half hour episodes. It's not like you're committing to when Bonanza was on the air and it was 40 <laughs> episodes a year and they were all 55 minutes long. So it's more series, but way less of a commitment. Yeah, I'm impressed with the staggering, though, because they've been doing that with WandaVision as well, where they're doing like they're not just dropping it all at once because they realize like, oh, wow, if we dropped all of Mandalorian at once, half the world watched it in one night and it's just gone forever now. Yeah, I kind of prefer just getting one episode a week. Mm -hmm. I'm not really big on binging. Nah, it's not. Yeah, it's good for some things, I guess. But just now that we've been through it, I really can't imagine watching like having not done it that way you know like just maybe two episodes at once at max but like anything more than that it's just sort of like it's just gone we talk about content all the time but i'm just like there is something about that quasi water cooler aspect of these things even if it's just an online aspect yeah like well oh what's gonna happen next week Mm -hmm. something to look forward to yeah i didn't know how much i missed it until they forced us to not binge anymore and i was like oh yeah it's fun yeah like i know lost has people who love it and hate it i loved it and i fully admit For people who didn't like it, I get it that they didn't like the soap opera aspects or the endless cliffhanger and they were constantly in a second act like things didn't pay off. But I think just because I grew up on comic books and on television that you had to wait that I never minded Lost for that. And I I don't know if a show like Lost would exist nowadays if they just dropped a season in a day. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have that fun water cooler chat aspect or wouldn't have that fun gossiping with friends about what you think is going to happen next. And yeah, like, because when they drop stuff in a day, there's people who will just watch. I remember Stranger Things. There's people who will at midnight stay up all night and watch 10 episodes of Stranger Things overnight and then jump on the internet and start spoiling things. And it's like, oh, God, it's not even like you're having fun then. It's just like you're like, gotta watch another one. Man, yeah, no, I, I had a guy spoil the Mandalorian, the most recent thing that would be a spoiler. And it was just like, it was a guy that had, he had added me on Facebook and seemed cool and seemed cool. I know, as I was saying that, I was like, I should give a little more background on this. But I was like, he was running a fan group for like a band that we both like. And he was like the moderator. And so it seems like he just basically friends everyone who joins the group. So I was like, yeah, all right. Seems, Seems like a normal guy. And then literally like two days later, he did in all caps, like the morning that the episode dropped. What? He did, you know, blank, blank is back. Like, that's all it said. And I lost it. I was so angry. I unfriended him instantly. And a week later, he tried to add me again. I'm like, ha. So I'm just like, man, I, f- I was like, am I being harsh? And I was like, no, that's that's a that's a dick move, you know, for lack of a better term. Like, that's just not cool. I don't understand how people think that's OK. I, I don't know what's running through their brains. I get the excitement, but it's OK to be like Mandalorian blew my mind or something. Why on earth would you be like? so-and-so is back i was i was so mad it was like he wasted a year of my life almost but not really i'm not that dramatic back in the good old days before internet before spoiling were there film critics who would write about citizen kane and just dissect it and ruin it for everybody (laughs) there must have been that probably came much later yeah when the film critics became like a an important thing i never didn't roger ebert get in trouble because he strangely pompously thought that he had to give away the twist in crying game in a review and it's like no you didn't roger <laughs> like people were gonna go to the movie or not go to the movie and you didn't have to give it away but i remember i remember that specifically but everyone everyone talked about that everyone oh, God, talked yeah. about that twist and there was no you know the term spoiler alert i don't think really existed then i remember it being in a kids in the hall sketch 
where Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald did the two kind of goth satanic nerd guys. They would just say like evil things. And they said, uh, you know, what's evil. The, the twist of the crying game is this. And it was right when crying game was out. And I remember being, <laughs> like hearing this gasp from their live studio audience <laughs> that they just genuinely kind of, it fit to the characters on stage, but that they 100% gave away the twist to the movie. Not like we would ever do. I mean, we Never. make sure it's been like 20 years or something before yeah. we talk about anything. The 20 year rule. Gwen and I were watching kids in the hall last night and Scott Thompson was doing one of his buddy monologues. And it was so funny because I remembered this from decades ago that he actually got in trouble for this because he was talking about being a working actor in Canada and all that kind of stuff. And he said he had just played a role in this film, which I've never seen, which I got to see now. It would be good for one of your bad movie nights called Millennium. And it was a Cheryl Ladd starring shot in Toronto science fiction movie. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen that. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and not Millennium, but I've seen I saw that Buddy Cole monologue recently. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was I, I don't was know if anyone's still Millennium. <laughs> I don't know. I I remember looking for it afterwards. But anyway, so Scott Thompson said that like he just tore it apart and he was making fun of it but saying how it was a bad movie and this and that and nobody would see it. And the next day I remember him saying he got in trouble because his, his agent, his manager, the filmmakers all phoned him and were like, you were just on a cross Canada comedy show that people are watching from Victoria to Newfoundland. And you just said, don't go see her movie. <laughs> and so he buried the lead that it has Chris Christopherson as the star. Oh, I didn't know that you're looking it up right now. <laughs> no, I just guessed. No, no, what? I, I looked it up. <laughs> yeah. Maury Chaikin and Al Waxman too. Like this is a packed cast. Wow. That's extra Canadian content. <laughs> yeah, They get Al Waxman. God, I got to see this movie now. Yeah, I mean, and of course, Scott Thompson playing controller. Yeah, I think he has like, you know, one line, but I think he's he probably says like, look out, the plane's coming in or something. But this, yeah, this looks like a pretty good movie in a way, in my kind of way. It did not have distribution. Like it's one of those things where even at video stores, they wouldn't have one. Like it was on VHS, but I don't know if it made it much further than that. It came out the same year as Batman. So that's a double bill for you. Batman crushed it. Yeah, yeah. It's a very similar, very similar movies. Okay, as we're approaching the end of the podcast, I will mention some Mayfair-related stuff that you could watch at home instead of all the TV movies that we just mentioned. We still have our Mayfair virtual cinema going. No new movies this week yet. We might have some new ones coming up. But as we speak on January 18th, 2021, we have three documentaries up there. The Reason I Jump, Meeting the Beatles in India and Soros. So three very different documentaries that you could check out and a couple of bucks goes the way of the Mayfair. That's Soros, not Zoros. Not oh, Zoros. Man. I thought we were playing both Zoro movies. The Legend of Soros. The Zoros documentaries. <laughs> I like the Zoodles is good too, but anyway. Zoros, the gay blade. Man, I'll watch that too. We're getting a lot of great stuff. Soros is funny, if that's how you pronounce it, because he's a billionaire left-wing guy who's donated billions of dollars to charity which all sounds good and i've read a bit about it in the last week just i still haven't got a chance to see the film but if you look up it's the old don't read your reviews because on imdb it essentially got spammed by right wingers and i always think it's funny that it's like you guys got nothing better to do with your time than just ruin an independent documentary that you haven't even watched and so it's just all these one-star reviews and the movie has a very low review 
But then if you read actual reviews, it has decent reviews. But it's all because immature people went on and just gave it one star because they don't like him because he's a left-wing political figure. I always just think, like, really, guys? Like, that's what you're doing with your day? Is just... And you think that's going to affect anything? Like, anybody looking at that will just usually logically go, ah, yeah, this guy got spammed. But then they look over, there's like three and four star reviews from legit newspapers and magazines. So I I want to see it. I've I've heard it's a really interesting documentary, but I think it's funny that it got spammed by right wingers. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's the these day and age, you know, we know we know what to expect at this point. Yeah, that's like a point of pride almost nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bad people hate us. That could be that's that could be the name of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> in general. Only the good people. We care about them. We're good, but just the lovers. Then I will self-promote that later this month the first issue of my new comic book is coming out. So I've just been on this whirlwind sit at home publicity tour of doing all kinds of podcasts, which has been fun chatting with people on the West Coast and down in Texas and in Toronto and all over the place. So that's been fun. But it's called Damn Cursed Children. The first three issues are currently available for pre-order from your local comic store. So you can email or phone or social media them and just say that you want Damn Cursed Children from Source Point Press. And every little bit helps to get the word out there. It's also available for pre-order digitally from Source Point Press if you want to read your comics on your tablet and yeah, it's exciting. We're almost, I can't wait to have it in my hands soon. Yeah. I want to read your comics on my tablet. Yeah. I'll autograph your tablet. And that's this. Oh yeah. Per- yeah. Do that. Permanent marker, please. If you're online, you can check out the Bytown, which sadly closed up late in 2020, but is still hanging in there during this COVID lockdown because they're probably hopefully coming back for a week or two to screen some best of stuff that they didn't get to because Ontario got shut down right after Christmas. So they missed out on a week or so, I think, of uh, screenings. But they've been publishing on Twitter, and maybe elsewhere. They've been going through their their files and doing like January 1990 or January 1985 or whatever. Yeah, they're old monthly calendars. Oh, wow. And they're so great. And I said, we should do that, but we don't have any of that. So <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to put the word out there, and I'm going to do so on social media as well, that if anybody has old Mayfair flyers and has the ability to scan them or wants to lend them to us and we could scan them. I'd really love to put together kind of a blog part of the website just with an archives, but we genuinely, I don't think have anything in house before we showed up in house. So we have January, 2009 going forward and I'm very guilty of this. And I can't believe I didn't save these because I'm kind of a collector, you know, I collect toys and movies and comic books. And my years of Mayfair were 89 through 94, and I don't have any of those flyers, and I wish I did. So if you have them. There's got to be someone in the neighborhood who's kept them. There's got to be, yeah. Yeah, they're in a basement for sure somewhere. And it would be fun just to scan them all and put them up online, and it's a real neat nostalgic thing of being like, I found one, actually. I found one that I had for some reason in an old box of magazines, and I highlighted some of the days, and it was just neat to look at to be like, Oh, on that day, I was at the Mayfair watching the South Park movie. Or on that day, I was at the Mayfair watching Highlander. So it's kind of neat to kind of, where were you then? On that day, I was watching Millennium. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wait, says no one. In an empty theater. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You were the one. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to wrap this up for another week. We successfully posted our first 
Zoom podcast last week with Eric and I and sounded half decent. We put a little warning on in the beginning that if it doesn't sound perfect, it's because we're doing it through the magic of the internet. It definitely wasn't at a point of, this is horrible, don't listen to it. It sounded really decent, and I think this one will as well, and we'll continue doing so, hopefully not for too long, but for the next few weeks as we are in super lockdown. Yay, super lockdown. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Support local. If you're in Ottawa, go visit our friends at House of Targ and Vertigo Records and Black Squirrel Books. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Mayfair and hopefully some good news of when we will be back in maybe February 2021. Hooray. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, hopefully we can track down that 35 millimeter print of Millennium for when we get back. (laughs) It's all we need. And I am pressing stop. Hooray. We did it. Ah, good work. Good work, everyone. It's time to make an appointment, Scalpel. It'll be good for your health. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Ah! Oh, sorry. The doctor's ill. (laughs) Say, how about a free examination? Get ready to take your medicine. If you think that's bad, where do you get my bill? I hope you have protection. (laughs) Ah! Dr. Giggles. It's a good thing I make house calls. Rated R. 